We have to talk about something that is near and dear to our hearts here on Culture Shift. We cover arts, music, lifestyle, all that type of stuff, but the service industry is a huge part of what we do here on the show. And as we transition from more than a year of COVID restrictions into a return to life as before, two job sectors are facing a huge shortage of workers, retail and restaurants. I'm sure you've noticed this, going to stores, going to restaurants, maybe the wait's a little bit longer. Maybe you're noticing more frantic looks on their faces as they try to deal with these crowds returning. But why are some employers having a difficult time enticing workers back in the first place? Well, that's a very complicated question. And here to try to break that down and explain it is Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan. Happy Tuesday afternoon. Uh, yes, this issue has been a pretty immense hurdle for retail and restaurant employers across the country since shops and restaurants began opening up back up uh, fully. And now in many states, including here in Michigan, with no mask or social distancing mandates. There's a few strong theories on why that's happening. And joining us live is Washington Post reporter Abba Batarai. Welcome to Culture Shift. Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us today, taking the time. So first off, we're going to focus on the retail sector of the economy, as that's what your beat is. And this lack of workers is what you've recently written about. Now, according to your article, the largest number of retail employees left their jobs in April, the highest number in one month in more than 20,000 years. Uh, And that was around, let me get to that number here. That was around 649,000 employees. So could you give us an overview of what's happening in the retail market right now? Absolutely. So there are several factors at play here. Um, sort of most importantly is that many of these workers have been working in a pandemic for over a year. They are drained. Um, they've been working in stores that are short-staffed. Um, in some cases, they've taken pay cuts. They're dealing with, you know, unruly customers and sort of had to deal with the looming fear of getting sick for so long that now that things are reopening and other industries are hiring, they all of a sudden have all of these opportunities. Um, And so that's the second part of the equation here is that there are other places that are hiring, often for better paying, more stable, more predictable jobs than what retail and much of the service sector can offer. And that also opening up the the remote working market as well has uh, has contributed to this I can imagine. Uh, and I, I want to f- now talk about wages in retail. So you spoke with a couple, uh, about a dozen former retail employees about why they were shifting from working in stores to new career paths. And you also spoke with a labor professor at Rutgers University. And one of the main issues that comes to the forefront continually is wages. Retail wages have been abysmal for many years. And a lot of people you've spoken with have reiterated that. Uh, what has been the average hourly re- wage for retail and why does it remain so low that people are just not willing to return to that kind of work? So nationally, the median hourly wage is about $13 an hour, <clears throat> but that varies widely depending on what part of the country you're in or who the employer is. So anything from the minimum wage to about $15 an hour starting is, is fairly typical. Um, but almost across the board, everybody I talk to is now making more money Um you know, in a different industry. And so it's it's become a no-brainer for them to quit if they can make a dollar or two an extra an hour. We're talking with Washington Post retail reporter Abba Batarai live here on Culture Shift. Uh, She's recently written about the issues retail employers and former employees are facing. And I want to bring in a caller now, uh, Carter in Detroit. You called in just as the show was starting because you had a lot to say about this issue. Um, Yes, Farrell K. Carter Bay. 
and hello. And what I would like to say is these businesses need a trust back UBI so that they can pay at least for minimum a living wage and also that they will be able to uh, cut their uh, employee staff down to in, in half and double their staff. Uh, I mean, double their staff so that they can all have a 20-hour work week, you know, so that we can use these jobs as stepping stone jobs that they're intended to be. Um, People are making their careers out of these jobs where there's no mobility, you know, um, and we need a living wage and the actual cost of living. You know, uh, $15 is barely making it. It, by today's standards, especially in these times, in economic times. Um, but this is what I believe the solution is, is a trust-backed UBI for businesses, uh, government institutions, head of household, and uh, non-government institutions because the charity organizations are just fighting over the same dollars, and as we all are. Uh, Carter, thank you so much for calling in and making that uh, a really great point. Uh, Abba, when you speak with uh, labor activists and labor professors and experts in the industry, is what Carter's talking about, is that something that's part of the conversation? It is increasingly a part of the conversation. Um, And I think, you know, the main issue that labor economists are looking at right now is that we're starting to see a lot of movement in the job market in general. We're seeing a lot more places higher and that creates new opportunities. And so what does that mean for, you know, particularly folks who are in lower paying jobs or in, um, you know, it, it makes it very easy for them to sort of move up if they want to without without staying in the same industry necessarily. And what about something like uh, health care and, and health benefits? Absolutely. That's a huge part of the equation as well. And and as is predictable schedules, a lot of retail and service jobs, you know, expect workers to show up at all hours and their schedule can change day to day or week to week. And that makes it really difficult to plan around things like child care or a second job. Um, and, so as, and so some of the workers I talked to, um, the retail workers who had quit, actually took a pay cut. Um, One man left his 35-year career in retail and took a 30% pay cut, but is now going to be working sort of more predictable hours. He feels like there's more of a career path in his new industry, and he gets health benefits and things of the sort that he didn't in retail. One thing that we've seen recently is something like in New York City, the Fair Workweek Law, which actually makes it um, illegal for, for employers not to have predictable schedules for service industry workers. Um, is that something that you're seeing could possibly be adopted in other states? Yes, we're definitely, uh, I think that's starting to become a much bigger part of the conversation. And retailers on their own, in some cases, are saying, okay, we promise to have regular schedules or you know, at least give you a two weeks heads up if we're going to change things on you. So that is, that is becoming a priority. You know, one of the interesting things uh, about your article, which people can find a link to over at our Twitter page, at DET Culture Shift, you spoke to Chris Overland, who had been selling uh, electronics at a national chain store in Texas. Going to just guess that's Best Buy. So he took a pay cut during the pandemic and had to deal with, you know, so much stress, additional stressors during the pandemic while working for less pay, all the while politicians and the media and many of us are all 
you know, saying essential workers are so important. Uh, and as he said to you, it just really left a sour taste in his mouth. Exactly. I think that's that's been the experience of so many of the workers that I've talked to is that they felt like a lot of companies and politicians were doing paying them lip service, saying that they were essential workers, that they were heroes. But that just didn't translate in their day to day lives or even in their paychecks. Um, Chris actually worked for sort of a third party vendor that uh, were like worked for a national chain. So he was selling these electronics. But at the beginning of the pandemic, they told him he would have to take a four dollar an hour pay cut and go down to $10 an hour, um, which was a huge cut for him. Um, and he kind of rolled with it for a while. But as soon as he could find a new opportunity, he was out. Again, we're talking with Abba Batari of the Washington Post about uh, the issues retail employers are facing, not uh, not being able to find people to come back to work and what there is being done about it. So uh, before we let you go, I want to ask some of the some of the bigger retail chains that you uh, have reported on places like Target are in some places considering upping their wages to $15 an hour and maybe adding other benefits. Uh, What about smaller retail businesses, maybe the mom and pop shops that are still around? You know, it really varies. And that's where we've seen a lot of the more stagnant wage growth because these businesses in a lot of ways are struggling themselves. Um, A lot of them had to close down at the beginning of the pandemic and they're just barely sort of making up for that lost time right now. And so they're, they're in a bind as well. All right, I lied. One last question for you. What what about what about the federal government or state governments? Are there programs that can be put in place to help uh, either ease people's transition away from retail work to more, you know, fulfilling better paying work, or to make it so the conditions better so people will return to that sort of uh, retail sector? You know, I think that's all part of the conversation right now. And it's we're all just kind of waiting to see what happens. But I think those are all different uh, avenues that everybody is pursuing or looking into, certainly. All right. Well, thank you so much. We hope to talk to you again in the future. Washington Post retail reporter Abba Batarai joining us live here on Culture Shift on 1019 WDET-FM. As I said, you can find a link to her article over at our Twitter page at DET Culture Shift. Uh, Abba, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me.